If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So, um, as we all know, um, the... The looming threat that has been sitting atop our shoulders for a couple of years now. Um, rent finally came due. Um, feels like the universe is balanced. Uh, the football gods finally paid us back uh, for last year's uh, new heights reached. Um, it's unfortunate that this has come at this time. Um, clearly, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin, I don't think, was on any of our radars. Uh, we all thought about maybe OSU. Of course, you know, in this situation that Ryan Day is never going to be fired here. Maybe if OSU is crazy, but uh, they've got something going good, and that felt like really the only threat. Um, now we're sitting here wishing for better days. Um, definitely feels like things have not gone our way, um, and unfortunately, the past few weeks have been a bit heavy. This just feels like a little bit of the... I don't know, the proverbial cherry on top uh, for everything that's kind of been going on here. Um, And now, like we said, it's all kind of come due. Um, Just kind of want to share the mic around and see what people's thoughts are. We'll start with uh, we'll start with Steve and um, our Cincy Slaying guys here, and then we'll kind of pass the mic around and just see what the general feel is for everyone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just just a sad day, man. Like, it's just weird that uh, we – we are doing this. I mean, I don't know. My initial thoughts are that like, this was just another Michigan state situation and that it would not be a thing where he would actually leave, but it kind of just happened that way. So um, I don't know. Um, I do think that there's some different reports around and, you know, believe what you want to believe about why he left and, I wonder if it was something to where he thought, well, I've uh, done as well as I can here. I want to try a new challenge. Maybe it was something where he felt more comfortable within the Big Ten footprint. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't have any reasons for it. But um, I, I do like what I've been seeing so far on Twitter and from fans about a lot of people just being grateful. This is definitely not the same situation that it was with Butch Jones and uh, Brian Kelly and uh, Mark D'Antonio, like, I mean, you know, Brian Kelly obviously leaving in the middle of the night is different, but um, mm-hmm. I, I think this is something where 
uh, he's going to be welcomed back and people are going to be grateful for him. Um, I don't think anyone's really feeling the animosity towards him. He did so much for us and we're, I think everybody's pretty grateful, but it just, uh, uh, it just sucks. I think that's all. I'll, I'll pass it off. Yeah. I thought that losing him today is, is a reminder of how well protected we were last season by the college football playoff run. Yeah. And, you know, it's been conventional wisdom that Ohio State and Notre Dame were the preemptive favorites for where he would where he would potentially leave Cincinnati for. And with Notre Dame coming open last season in a year and, and a season that, that was historic on a number of levels, an undefeated run that that culminated with that playoff run, that that was a sort of uh, deflector for potential. Uh, Steelers of Luke Fickle. And I think that a lot of inquiries were batted down simply because of the fact that that we had made it to the playoff and now you're in a completely different situation. Um, heading to the Big 12, I think a lot of people were hoping that that would be enough to sort of secure um, Luke Fickle through, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier to be, to, to financially compete, to, uh, to be in a more competitive league, to up the ante on recruiting a bit more. But I do still think there is a discrepancy between Big Big Ten money and Big Twelve money still. Yeah. And 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 there is, you know, I think that Luke Fickle does have um, some sentimental some sentimentality when it comes to the Big Ten. Like that is his home league, and it's where he wants to coach. And I don't think there were a lot of threats from Pac twelve or SEC. I think he is a Big Ten guy, and this is an opportunity that he's clearly viewing as as a step up for what he wants to to try and tackle and and the college football ranks, whether that's true or not TBD, but that's sort of the mentality that I'm taking to it. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to add, I mentioned this to Steve uh, before we popped on here was just that it feels like with the Michigan state status last year, like you said, college football playoff felt like a little bit of protection, but on top of that, I think MSU is in a different scenario with a big 10, just because I feel like there's been so much sort of animosity and um, sort of scandal, <laughs> deal going on there that it felt like maybe that was just a bit of a safer bet. That's not really, you know, fixed role, but Wisconsin just feels like kind of, you know, a uh, strong, but quieter program sort of in that realm. So I think that kind of plays into this as well, but. I mean, on that note, Michigan state is a second tier program in their own, in their own state. Yeah. Right. True. Like Michigan, Michigan's top dog there. Ohio state is a tier one, big 10 school. Penn state. I think what you would say is tier tier one. Wisconsin's pretty close up there in terms of their brand. This is, you can't blame him, right? Yeah. And you guys mentioned it with the Big Ten money. Not only that, who knows what kind of NIL collective maybe that was discussed that they have. You know, if we're talking the the rumors of what the difference in money between what you see has to offer in terms of NIL to Wisconsin being the only program in that state that's worth worth anything and the money they're able to raise, it could be night and day what he's being offered in terms of resources on that, on the recruiting front there as well. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And I think it's also just that like, they're, they're like, like I said, there's different stuff and maybe we'll figure it out one day. And, um, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it might just be as simple as like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, he's like, I, I got us to the, to the playoff and this is just the next step for me. I mean, you know, like it's, I, I just, it's just the, uh, not the best timing. <laughs> if there's yeah. ever a good time, this was not, not it. But I mean, I guess for him, he thought like, you know, if, 
if we're not going to be in the conference championship, like this is, and um, we're not going to a New Year's Six Bowl, this is my time. And um, maybe he'll explain it more in his uh, introductory press conference at Wisconsin. But um, yeah. I think you guys are right, though. Maybe he is more com- uh, comfortable in that Big Ten uh, market. And, you know, it just um, – I, d- I just don't feel the animosity that like I felt towards like Brian Kelly when he left or like when yeah. even when like, you know, like Butch left, that was, I mean, I think people were ready to move on at that point, but that it was still, it still hurt, you know, when, when Butch left, but this is different. I feel like we all kind of appreciate him and, you know, he had turned down so many offers in the past that it's all just kind of catching us off guard. Cause we just were like, well, he's just going to keep turning them down. And I don't know. Well, and it was yeah. abrupt. It was extreme. Like this is this whole thing. Kind of the family report came out today, and the mm-hmm. deal is done today. Yeah. And I'm sure it's been the last few days that the negotiations were actually taking place. I think Thamel is pretty cozy with Luke Fickle, so if he may have had a, a tip that this was happening, you know, on Friday after our game, who knows when the, the when the discussions happen? But these things also don't take a long time to sort themselves out. I think with our brains, we're able to sort of explain away why this is different with Brian Kelly. We don't necessarily feel the same amount of anger, but I do think what we're the reason that we're all probably feeling so upset and, and concerned about the state of the program is that if Luke Fickle brought, brought one thing to Bearcats football, it was stability mm-hmm. and losing a coach right before December is is about as unstable as it gets for your for your football program. So I think in terms of what happens now, we're all on pins and needles and speculating about which assistant coach at which program we're considering. Can we poach a big time um, head coach from another P5 program? Can we lure, you know, the biggest name in college sports, Deion Sanders and bring him to Cincinnati. I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see all sorts of crazy rumors happen because this is, this feels like an, an unstable moment for the university. And and we'll kind of have that feeling now until John Cunningham wraps up this coaching search. Yeah. And this was one thing I was, kind of wondering too um just generally do you, do you guys think that this is going to be sort of a search that Cunningham takes his time with and is kind of you know a little bit slower to react we might you know see a month two months go by before something really happens or do you think this is a thing where he's trying to no you know, he's got to right go away. like it's got to be by this week, like yeah, early yeah no doubt. is coming up soon and yeah I mean there's that old adage like any good AD has like three names or what a uh, list of names in his desk just in case anything happens. Like, and I'm sure he has that ready to go. I'm sure like he is going to be like, you know, reaching out to candidates today, even, you know, and like it seemed like, well, the, with how he worked the West Miller thing, like it did take about a week and you know, there was right. some, uh, so, we, but we've seen him go through a coaching search before and um, you know, say what you want about West Miller. This is a football uh, topic right now, but um, I mean, I think we were all happy with how that search went um, with the circumstances that Cunningham put himself in for that with the whole Brandon ordeal. And um, I I mean, but still it took a week. Like we, I think we wanted it to go a little bit faster, but still it took about a week. And um, I think that's what you need. If you got a guy in place by Saturday, he's got, you know, a week and a half, two weeks to, really try and keep this recruiting class in place or, uh, you know, just keep as many guys in place. And then he's got till February for the full signing day. But um, it's it's probably got to be done by Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big part of moving fast to kind of already touched on it, but like just emphasis on if, if you, the earlier you get a guy in, the earlier you can sort of have them in a way, speak to your recruits and say like, Hey, stick around. I mean, the longer that they wait, 
the more likely they are to kind of, yes. you know, think about where they're going. And if it's not staying around and the last thing you want to do is get to, you know, a month or two later and all of a sudden you've got this recruit who's like, all right, you know, <laughs> I, I've waited long enough. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't want to take the risk and I'm going to go somewhere where I know it's sound and safe. Yeah. So. Si- silence is uncertainty. And so the longer this goes on, the, the more uncertain things become for players on the current roster. When you think about the portal, and yep. the more uncertain things become for recruits that could still potentially be swayed to come to Cincinnati. It's the exact reason that Notre Dame would not have waited for Luke Fickle to wrap up his college football playoff duties with UC, right? Yep. They knew that we can't lose 20, 25 days in this cycle of keeping players, attracting players, and now reestablishing momentum for our program. And so I think you are going to see urgency when it comes to hiring the next head coach. Hopefully it's it's prudent in terms of you know being a national a nationwide search and considering all sorts all sorts of candidates. But I think that goes back to your point earlier of John Cunningham should have a list of guys all ready to go. He knows yeah. who he wants to contact. And should we go into it? Like should we talk about who who we sure, hope are on like, that list? No who reason we... to to trash the coach. I mean, like I mean, I think we all kind of agree that we like we like Coach Fickle and like we hate to see him go, but Oh, but but he's not Cincinnati. Like, like yeah. at this point, he's he's opted out of Cincinnati, and so from our vantage point, to me, it has less to do about mourning his departure. There is a level of sadness. I'll always have the memories of the of the past uh, of the past several years, particularly with the with the historic runs we've made. But now it now it goes on to the next phase of who's going to help keep this thing going as we enter the Big Twelve next year. Yeah, I, I tweeted this out earlier too, and this is just genuinely how I feel. But like. I think everybody needs to remember at the end of the day, like the fans, fans can also come and go, but more often than not players, coaches, everybody comes and goes. But most time, most of the time, especially in college sports, fans stick around for their lifetime. It's like the, the program and the fans here, I think are what need to be elevated and focused on more than anything. Um, you know, what really benefits the program is going to be what's important going forward. We need to, you know, hopefully we'll get the right hire in that will sort of bring that culture up and, sort of keep what we've got going. Um, maybe there's a little bit of an identity shift. Um, there's a lot of questions there, but you know, I, I, I do think it would be nice to open it up here too, to the general uh, folk that are in here. Every, we've got a lot of people. So if you guys do have anything to say, um, we'll kind of preface this with this. If you want to speak, kind of give us an idea of who you think would be a good head coach and um, you know, kind of what you want to see and what your hopes are going forward into the big 12. A little bit less looming on the past and more looking forward to the future. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a couple of you as speakers here. And I'm uh, gonna hear from you who, first. Who's your Who do you want? Wild card. We're gonna We're yeah. gonna go and punch yes. po- poach Gus from UCF, right? That's the first <laughs> oh God! Honestly, I'm I'm actually if I'm going if I'm John Cunningham and I'm throwing throwing the throwing the hell Mary, I'm looking at Kyle Winningham from Utah with the up in the airness of the Pac-12. Who yeah. knows if he's maybe looking for, for a change to a, a more stable environment with knowing what's going on yeah. in, in the Big 12. Uh, yeah, so I I know that's the long shot, but that's actually, I wouldn't mind hearing that name being thrown out as a, as a potential candidate. Yeah, yeah I, um, uh, I definitely, I did want to say I, I'm very grateful for what Fick has done for this program. After the Tuberville era, I... Uh, Definitely was was uh, bummed out, and when we got Fick and what he's done, I just wanted to say, man, so grateful for what he's done. But I definitely think 
moving forward, we got to get addressed something very quickly. I know I've seen Tom Herman brought up. I don't know if that would be a guy that we would go after with his history, but could be a guy. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a name out there. There's, I think there's a lot of them in the mix. It feels like kind of the front runners at the moment seem like uh, probably a Jesse Minter, um, a Tom Herman, maybe. I mean, I I love floating this one out here as the Dion hire. I think it just makes so much sense if you want to go with a little bit of youth and energy and make the brand of Bearcats cool in the Big Twelve and sort of separate it. Dion's that kind of guy. I mean, hell, he played for since he played for the Reds too. Like. It's not like it would be his first trip to Cincinnati. Um, exactly. I the Can I give you guys a name that I think would be a perfect fit? Go ahead. I think Matt Campbell would be a perfect fit. He knows the Big 12. <laughs> and this is coming from a Texas Tech fan. I think you guys are well-suited to do well in the Big 12. I think you guys are going to be fine. But I think you need to take a coach from the Big 12 to get you ready for the Big 12. Oh, Can you imagine the first time we go back to Ames, Iowa with uh, Matt Campbell on our sideline? Like, he – He'd be vilified there, like, and I think that would be fun. I think it'd be funny. I'm not, I'm not really as excited about Matt Campbell. I mean, I understand their defense has been good this year, and like they've lost a bunch of one score games. So, I mean, I, I, I won't point anybody out at this point. You know, I mean, he's it's proven how good of a coach he's he's been there, especially like at Iowa State, who has not been a great program. But like, I don't know. I I would like. I mean, if he wants to come here, that'd be cool. <laughs> but, what do you guys? What do you guys think, though? Like, I think the first names we're hearing here, I'm kind of um, – I feel good about them in the sense of you're looking at other major programs that you could potentially steal their coach. Someone with head coaching experience, someone who's done it, someone who's run a program before. Yeah, um, those ideas yeah that's because you guys are in a Power 5 – you guys are a Power 5 school now, so you got to act it, like a Power 5 school. Exactly, yeah. and I, do, I completely agree with that. I, I What I didn't like is that our default was sort of, well, what about Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach from Ohio State? What about Mike Mickens, you know, a former Bearcat who we had a ton of success with on the field and off when he was coaching. But, you know, this is another cornerback position coach. These are guys who are giving their first coaching opportunity in the Big 12. I don't think we're in a position anymore where that's what we have to settle for. That's what I think your your fan base, um, and this is just a, coming from a Big 12 fan, need to get out of the AAC mindset. You're a, bit, you're a Power 5 program now. You have Power yeah. 5 money now. True. You got you to get a head coach. Yeah. You can't hear me, but I am clapping so hard right now <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's validating you to hear that from a Big 12 team, too, you know. I just know Cincinnati's going to Cincinnati's going to be a good program in the Big 12. That's I mean everybody believes they're going to be a good program in the Big 12. That's why I have no fear as long as you your AD brings in a true head coach, I think you guys will be fine. Yeah. I mean, that definitely is a big mindset that I think that the Bearcats have never really done quite as much as pulled a – I mean, have we ever really pulled a power <laughs> Tommy five Tuberville? Coach? Tommy well, Tuberville? Yeah, I get, well, sorry, Texas I mean, Tech fan. No, he was – you, know, you guys know the history there. He was asked That was a guy who was clearly past his prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was asked no. to leave from Tech, so it worked out, but that's neither here nor there. No, no, no. I was just kind of just Justin was asking the question: Have we ever pulled a sitting Power Five coach? And I just said like that—that that was the guy. I mean, no yeah. one wants a repeat of that, obviously. But right. like I, you know, I just—I I was just kind of just—I don't know. I'm a, I'm a dick well, like that sometimes. Um, I want to hear from Jake real quick. Jake is a speaker in here. Jake, oh, who do you want to hear? I, who are you interested in as uh, the the coach? So coach? I think I think I'm extra hopeful on the Dion side of things. I think with like. 
the Reds connection and then kind of just kind of get involved with the stuff with Dana Beers there. We got a little bit of a, <laughs> of a slight hopeful pull. Um, oh, God. So Maybe not the name to bring up right now. With no, right now. definitely not. Um, the Dana Beers curse. Thing, right. My big thing is I got to like whoever it is, and I'm, real, I'm more against like the whole Heartline thing. One, because, you know, Ohio State and all that. But two, because – like, we play smash mouth, like, big-time football, and I think that was going to be our advantage in the Big 12 because you see, like, the success that Gundy's had at Oklahoma State is all defensive. Last year with Baylor, it was all defensive. Like, those defensive teams, even Iowa State with Matt Campbell, like, when you get a defensive team in the Big 12 and their defense shines, those teams can sit towards the top. Whereas, like, now – like and TCU is kind of the exception this year because TCU doesn't really play defense other than their couple pick sixes, but – uh, historically, those teams do pretty well. So if we can do that and compete on offense, even with a guy like Minter, like I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about that whole thing um, coming from Michigan, but and especially with the whole timeline thing you were talking about earlier, um, kind of getting him before that playoff run and ever before you know or their kind of playoff run. But like somebody that'll that'll just keep doing what we're doing. I think continuing the program in the direction that we're in, especially because then you got to think about these new apparel deals and stuff like that. Like whoever we get is going to come in kind of on top of a mountain and they just got to keep going. I don't think the, I don't think the next head coach has to be a head coach. I, all I'm trying to make the point of is that we should be considering existing power five head coaches. I think we're in that conversation. Now you've seen schools like Oklahoma, they just hired Venables who was not a head coach, but he was, he was big time enough at at a program like Clemson where it made sense to take him on. We're definitely beyond, you know, putting a guy like like Gino Gadouli. We all love him. Great quarterback at UC. He would not have made sense as a head coach at UC. And it doesn't sound like he's For being sure. considered. But those are the those are the types of names we don't need to think of as much. I do think we're entering a different stratosphere of considering some of the biggest and brightest names. And when it comes to Deion Sanders in particular, I love the idea personally. I think he's proven many things so far. Um, he's hired a hell of a coaching staff at Jackson State. He is incredible in the NIL game. He is incredible at recruiting and NIL, and those things do matter in 2023. Can I ask uh, an NIL and, question for Cincinnati? Yeah, but let, yeah. Me, let me finish just one point real quick on Dion. I think the question about Dion is less so, are we willing to offer him the head coach job? I think it's as Dion Sanders willing to come to Cincinnati. I think that guy's yeah. going to have the pick of the litter when it comes to coaching at a higher yeah. level. I agree. Does Cincinnati as a program, and this is me just not knowing, do you, do they have a lot of donors and um, alumni that will contribute to NIL? We do. Yeah, we do. I, we do. We, we have big donors. I would say that it hasn't been as ag- like blindly aggressive and a little bit less organized than some other schools have been. And it's I think not some an of that is situation. <laughs> right. Like, well, some of these some of these SEC schools were already like operating as if NIL had been in had been in uh, place for for a decade. Right. They had. Yeah ridiculous organization AM is an example of that tennessee is an example of that i don't know that we were operating on that level i do think there's money i think it needs to be better organized and i think i think they need to treat it a bit more like the wild wild west like there's don't think of it in terms of regulations and legality think of it in terms of getting the job done and figuring out how to secure players yeah yeah uh, and then uh, we did recently just start a collective um i just started last week but um there is like there is a movement there behind that and as we go into the big 12 i think that can get bigger and better and um i think also too it's like you got to think of it like you know cincinnati is traditionally a pro sports town like we just i mean you know there's just a lot a lot of stuff going on here and we 
Like it's harder for us to have gotten money from big donors in the past. And I think it can be improved as we go into the big 12, because, you know, we're playing power five football now and it's a big time program in a big city. I think there will be more people who would be swayed towards supporting their local team instead of, you know, the, the team that uh, Luke Fickle's alma mater, uh, for example, like, I think there's, you know, going to be more of a groundswell and especially with the movement of how the program's done the last few years, like there's, definitely some opportunities there for that space to grow and obviously that's the game now like you, you got to bring in if you want to bring in the bigger recruits you got to pay more and I, I I think there there is some movement behind that and I think this move uh, while it sucks in the timing of Luke Fickle leaving I think that will help for that NIL movement to say okay we got to support the next coach we got to support the next coaching staff and you know give give what you can to NIL and uh, bring in some guys here and keep this rolling because I mean it's not just off of recruiting and tradition alone like they're it's a real groundswell for NIL right now and we just need to be competitive and hey I can I jump in here real quick yeah go ahead hey so taking one step back um because it, it applies to who the next head coach is I'm concerned that Fickle saw the writing on the wall in terms of the next two to three years and if you're fickle which all depends on ryan day um and him getting fired but if you look at it through that lens it makes sense to leave because now you give yourself a three-year pass on almost everything and you don't devalue your commodity of of kind of like the next big thing so my concern so, so, so tying that back in with who, who our next head coach will be, my concern is that this roster, if it doesn't stay intact in, in full, and if we do lose recruits, we might be hurting more than we might want to admit that we might think. Um, so, yeah, just th- throwing that out there, you guys. So, so see what you think. Thanks, guys. I think you – anytime you lose your head coach, you're going to experience a bit of pain initially. You know, we're going to see some bleeding out of recruits. We're going to see some portal entries. And in terms of Luke Fickle, I mean, him leaving for and, and leveraging his success for a Big Ten job like Wisconsin, and if it would have been last year in, with Notre Dame, it it is, a, it is a selfish move, not in a critical way, but his stock is very, very high right now. Right, and right. entering the Big 12 with the current roster and with the current outlook, it, his stock would have cooled off. And so you're right. It does make a lot of sense for him to leave at this specific moment, but I don't see that as an indictment on the Bearcats program. I think because we're entering the big 12 with more money, there is reason to be more excited about what we can achieve long-term in a sustainable way. I think I don't think it's anything bad about Cincinnati. I just think you're going to the big 12. You're going to have growing pains. I mean, it's a tough conference to even ESPN might say so, but I'm not uh, right. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. I'm not saying that we're bad or that we're trending in the wrong direction. I'm just saying you can't really top what we did last year and kind of the, you know, the, the momentum that came with that over the next two years with the roster as it is right now entering into the Big 12. That's all I was saying. Yeah, one thing I want to jump in here with, too, is like I'm, I'm curious what you guys what your opinion is on. You know, we've we've talked this so many times, the playoff expansion. Now you look at this going forward. Um, you would think that, like, we all thought, and you would think that maybe Luke Fickle would see the same thing of 
Cincinnati is in a position with a conference that, you know, is pretty volatile. You've got people that come in and come out every single season, teams that can pop off for a year and then kind of cool back down. I'm wondering what what that conversation is around the playoff, because obviously that's going to be our goal in the Big 12. You're not looking at, you know, oh, or can we make the top four? Can we wait for the chaos to happen with everybody else? Can the Big 12 make enough noise to even get enough people in? It's sort of that same conversation with the Pac-12 where it's like, all right, you might have a lot of really good teams. Pac-12's got, what, six, seven teams ranked right now? But then you still wonder, it's like, all right, are they going to make it in if USC loses? And then you have this whole conversation. I'm wondering, like, with Cincinnati, where do we stand in that situation moving forward? If we are, you know, at the top of the Big 12, if you are a coach like Luke Fickle, why would you leave if you have that sort of, you know, to look forward to? You, you've got an expanded playoff. You've got an easier slide in than you've ever had before. Certainly much better than it would be uh, if you were in the American. I mean, I think that the answer is pretty simple there. It's you have the same, the same, the same opportunity in the big 10 in that regard of getting multiple teams into a play, an expanded playoff. It might even be easier there because of those conferences being so top heavy. You know, you True. have Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, Wisconsin, you know, potentially, but it's so top heavy where the bottom of the conference is so weak. The big 12, you know, when we look at it this year, it's, fairly evenly distribu- distributed in terms of talent and watchability of the games and, and how, how closely, you know, how everybody competes. Right. And that's what's, that's what's exciting. I, I think you can make the argument that it might even be harder to make the playoffs because the big 12, uh, it, it's just such a deep league. And yeah. that's where, that's where as a Cincinnati fan, I'm really excited. And, and I think you, you know, the, from the previous question was Luke fickle kind of seeing maybe the writing on the wall. Was he seeing a, a scenario where next year, first year in the big 12 we only win six games and his stock drops probably i mean if we watch watch the two, watch the ohio state michigan game yesterday and see how you know they're hitting open open receivers downfield where that's something that our quarterback struggle to do we know our quarterback struggles this year and we're we're probably looking at the same situation next year so yeah. i don't blame him for capitalizing on his success I'm looking really looking forward to what is what's going to be coming next. Who are we going to hand this over to? And that's where I think it's important to keep in mind that we are now a power five program, that we yep. are going to have double, triple the resources of what we're currently working with in terms of, of money from the conference, in terms of, of having the NIL collective taking off. And I think it's just in, it's important to keep in mind that I don't think we have to, like, I know it's scary, Kerry Cohn's being named interim <laughs> head coach. Um, it's, not gonna happen. it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I really truly believe that the reason why Kerry Combs was named interim head coach is it, stay, it's, it's, it stays off the awkward conversation of telling Gino Gadulli, you're not the guy. Yeah. You don't have to have that conversation with him anymore. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really freaking good point. And if he, and if Combs stays, you might just keep more recruits too, which is, which is also big. Can we move Combs to some sort of analyst position guy, though? Like, can we can we get him out of actual coaching responsibility? Is Director of recruiting, Kerry Combs. There you go. I mean, he there is a hell go. of a recruiter. No doubt. No, no doubt. Sure. Hey, what's what's Patrick got to say? Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say, as a, as a TCU fan, I remember very much like in 2012. You know, I think they went seven and five, but I think us and West Virginia went four and eight. You know, in 2013, and, and both teams weren't bad. I think they just lost, like kind of like Iowa State lost a lot of close games. It, it definitely took a few years to get depth there, but it wasn't insane. It, it wasn't like this five-year slog that it took. Like you, already in 2014, TCU finished you know um, 
you know, the season ranked third. So I think he, and now even with like Texas and OU gone, I, I feel like there's still, there's going to be more potential for parity as you guys were saying. Well, and there's also like transfer portal and stuff too. And um, uh, Eric, I'll, I'll pass it off to you next, but um, I think like, you know, this doesn't have to be a slog. Like this could be like a pretty quick turnaround if, you know, you get the right guy in and he's able to get the right people in. So uh, Eric, you go ahead. Well, okay. So I think that, we have we made a lot of good points. I think that we start looking. We have to start acting like a Power Five school, and I think that we've kind of treated ourselves um, as a program more so a group of fine school wanting to be with the big boy. We're the little brother who wants to be, you know, with the bigger cool kids. Um, but we have the chance to now be one of the big cool kids, and I, I think we need to start looking at it um, as such. And uh, so when we look at, to me, the way that UC plays. We have a couple of options for head coach. Um, I think that we can either go the totally radical new route. And if we wanted to do that, my bright idea, because I, Deion Sanders, it's a good, good look, but I don't quite know if he has the big 12, um, the, the big 12 coaching finesse. That might be, he, he's not the first name that comes to mind. If you wanted to be radical, I almost say it's it sounds ludicrous, and that's because it is. Pat McAfee, for no reason, just you know, put his name out there. Uh, if you wanted to be real, <laughs> if you want to be realistic, um, you know, I mean, well, to defend to defend that outside of the fact that it's ludicrous and totally not going to ever happen, he's a younger guy, knows the sport pretty well. Sure, he's a TV analyst and was a punter, but you know, he's got the Big Twelve connection. He was a West Virginia guy. Sure, a punter, whatever. Okay. But he, the guy's not terrible at the sport. So if you want to look totally crazy, go for him. If you want to look somewhere reasonable, um, look for, you know, a young up-and-coming guys who are, you know, maybe defensive or offensive coordinators or assistant coaches somewhere in a, big, in a bigger conference like the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12. Because for me, the big thing that you want to look for is someone who is going to be around for a while and someone who can develop with the program. Because I, I think that UC as a program was set up in a very good spot from Luke Fibble. I think that we, as long as we can keep what we're doing and we don't lose a ton of people to the transfer portal, I think we have a good chance of being able to rebound off of that. Um, we definitely do, Eric. I want to make one point on, on the comment you just made with regard to prioritizing someone that will stay for a while. The dangerous game you get into there, if you start prioritizing, will they stay at Cincinnati for a long time over will they achieve great success? I think you get into a scary situation of potentially hiring the wrong guy. Someone's right. not going to necessarily be as great, but they're going to be around for a while. I'd much rather have someone who's burning bright even if it's for a short amount of time, but they keep this program relevant on the national scene, I think we need we need to prioritize a great coach over a coach who will stay. Right, and that's why that's why I kind of think if we look to somewhere for like an assistant coach maybe or a coordinator somewhere, um, I mean, it, you, I guess the the, the Texas uh, Harmon guy, he's not the worst option, not the best option. I think he kind of falls in that. Um, might not be the greatest, but I mean, I think that there are plenty of guys out there, and I guess it goes back to the mentality that 
you know, the, the, the 21 football team has. They might not be the greatest guys on paper, but if you put them down and you get them going, they could be, they could develop into being a really good coach. And I think that that's kind of what, you know, to me, I would want to look for is someone who, even if their first year is a bit rocky, even Fickle's first year wasn't amazing. Um, so it, to well, me, no, one, no one could be amazing after oh, yeah. Tommy Tuberville. Well, well, <laughs> that's just Tommy Tuberville. Although, I'm still amazed. I only recently found out that he was actually good at Auburn. I totally forgot that that happened. Um, but, yeah, no. Um, so, to me, I think that it's, it's a question of who can fill in and be good for the future rather than who can be good and look great off the bat. Uh, and even if it's someone who sticks around for maybe six more years, that's better than a guy who maybe comes in for two years and then retires. So, Well, I mean, I'll, I want to pass it off to uh, whoever wants to go next, but um, just look at Oregon. Like Oregon has uh, hired like a bunch of coaches that have left and they are still, they were still like, you know, in a position to maybe be involved in the, um, the Pac-12 championship race until last night. Like they, they've been a sustained program that has had what, like three, four coaches leave in the last 10 years. And they're still like one of the top programs in the Pac-12 and you know, one of the, I don't know, like a top 20 program in the sport. Maybe I'm talking out my ass there, but like, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think like, just don't think long-term think like just right now, who's the best for this program. So um, I, I want to comment on the, on the very first first point that he, he made about Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Lewin Sanders Sr., you know, primetime Deion, Deion Coach Prime, 14 years in the NFL, stealing the number one recruit in the nation from Alabama to go to play in, in a division lo- lower than Alabama, clearly. I think the guy is 100% ready to step up to whatever level of college football someone's going to throw at him. Colorado's already throwing offers at him. I don't, I don't, there's no worries in my mind that Deion Sanders wouldn't be ready to take, to take over the reins of a, of a major, a major P5 program. Can we, let me ask you this, if we uh, put forth maybe almost tweaking the conversation instead of specific names, are there styles of coaches that people are interested in? I would say Luke Fickle obviously skewed defensive. He was a, he was a defensive minded coach, but I think his, his, his legacy will be around the fact that he was a program builder very much a program CEO type that just was able to kind of nail every single component of Bearcat football. I think that's something you certainly look for in a new coach, but is there an opportunity to potentially bring in a coach with a bit more, you know, maybe a bit more, uh, a, a bit more capability when it comes to like X's and O's. Cause I actually think we, we have some things we can improve in that regard. Yeah. I, I want to jump in here real quick, just because I feel like, you know, defense is defense is always great. I think it works really well in the American. I think it works really well in a league like the Big Ten. But you look at the Big Twelve, like offense is dominant everywhere. Look at the score lines of games in the Big Twelve. Like you have to keep up pace. No matter, you know, what team you are or who you're playing, like you have to keep up pace. I feel like that's kind of gotta be your angle going forward. You know, not necessarily you don't want to give up that Cincinnati toughness. You know, you you want to be that same defensive prowess team that you have, but you really do need to make improvements on offense moving forward, or you're not going to be able to keep pace in games. Like it, it, your your defense can hold a team to 20 points, you know, all they want in the American, but the second you get to the Big 12, you're talking about holding them off from scoring 40. 
you know, and that's that's a much different level of play week in and week out. And I think that you've got to be able to take advantage of that. You know, like you said, on the X's and O side. I agree with that. I think the other thing to keep in mind too, when it comes to the, you know that defensive side of the ball, I, I don't know if we ever, we lose sight of this, but last year's squad featured not what is the best defensive rookie uh, of the year of uh, cornerback in the NFL, but the best overall cornerback in the NFL. Uh, with also a, a, another st- in uh, in another in, in Mr. Kobe Bryant, another starting you know cornerback, we had last year's defense you know, loaded, loaded with NFL NFL caliber uh, talent, and that that sustainability is just it's tough when you're you're not Alabama and you're not recruiting every every five star kid under the sun. So you know I agree with you in that sense that we need to maintain that defensive focus. Yeah, uh, but the, also the shortcomings of this team over the past few seasons really has been the offense. Uh, at times where it sputters, it, it it struggles to move the ball. You know, I think they were talking about this year. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, focusing on size on on the defense and offensive lines. So I think that's something that they're going to have to continue to prioritize is making sure that we're able to protect who's ever who's ever under center, giving them time time to throw the ball, especially when we're going to be going up against, you know, similar sized and higher, higher quality athletes. Yeah. I, I threw this name out there a little earlier um, was uh, Alex Golish of uh, Tennessee, their offensive coordinator. I, I feel like that's the kind of guy that if you're going to go the offensive route, you should do that because this guy, I mean, look at Tennessee's offense this year. It's insane. Like you there, I don't know how this guy could not be in the conversation for at least some head coaching jobs somewhere because they've just been able to dominate a lot of teams. Sure. They may not have, you know, been able to hit it every single week, you know, unfortunately for a guy like Hen hooker, like I think if you have him in there in the slot every single week and you know, you don't have that unfortunate injury. I mean, you could be talking Tennessee going, you know, to at least possibly vie for slipping back into the uh, playoff. I mean, this is a, this is a team that grew up really, really fast and is has dominated in a way that I don't think many people expect. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to a guy like that. Um, you know, and, and who knows? I mean, I think my biggest question too is who all from current staff sticks around. I mean, of course you're probably going to lose some guys. I said this earlier, like it sucks that you lose a guy like Brady Collins, most likely going to go, you're going to lose that strength, you know, strength staff. But I mean, who, who do you think should stay and who, who would you not mind um, passing off on. I think a lot of the guys you'd want to see stay are the guys that aren't going to be staying here. I think you know, Brady, Brady Collins was a, was a no brainer for me in terms of wanting him to stay here, but your strength coach is going to go with the head coach. Um, you're already hearing, I think Pat Lambert's been connected to leaving with Luke fickle. Uh, Trestle is a guy that if he leaves with fickle, I'm not losing any sleep over it. We've had him for two years now. I do not feel like he's brought new or improved ideas to the program. I think we've seen ourselves beaten or even if it were not beaten, I would say there's inferior talent in the American athletic conference that was allowed to compete with us because of poor scheming, poor adjustments. And so if, if Mike Tressel is leaving with fickle, that is something I I'm not going to lose sleep over at all. Yeah, that's that's definitely a fair angle on that too. I mean, I think, I think our defense. You know, you, I, I, part of me wonders how much of that is to the credit of losing 
a lot of your starting players from last year and your, you know, your all-star quarterbacks and players like that. But, um, you know, I think you make a good point there too. Like a lot of that credit is going to be due really just to your defensive coordinator has got to shift some things up. I mean, I, I mentioned this too, like we had a lot of games where we've let this, we've let our leads, you know, kind of taper off. Of course, our offense really can't keep pace. And I think um, I did a little bit of research um, yesterday kind of into our scoring. And this is actually one thing I wanted to bring up on this week's pod, but I might as well bring it up now. Um, if you omit the Kennesaw State game, which is obviously a 63 to 10, it's a bit of an outlier. Um, the Bearcats are scoring 190 in the first half, 138 in the second half compared to the opponents scoring 127 in the first half and opponents scoring 120 in the second half. Um, and that includes all other teams other than, like I said, the Kennesaw State game, which I feel like, you know, for being in the American, being the team that we are, like we definitely fell off a lot in the second half in a way that we hadn't this year. And I, I'm curious moving forward, you know, what kind of – we've mentioned this before that, you know, Fick brought a lot of consistency. I'm wondering – you know, what the solution is to sort of try and focus on keeping consistency in halves. Cause it was just night and day and a lot of games this year in a way that we really hadn't seen before. Well, I think the criticism um, on him, uh, fair or not, was that uh, he got a little bit tight in some of these games and he was not able to really get us over the hump because we just didn't have the same talent. And uh, I think he was a little bit conservative at times this year and you know, we, we just we couldn't run the ball. We like there there were some concerns with the offense and I think when we when we didn't pump the ball well or when we put the defense in a bad position, I felt like the defense got scored on a lot from bad positions. And I, I think, you know, it's also just losing that talent. There was probably a regression year that was due to happen, uh, inevitably just because you can't keep going, you know, five years at Cincinnati and we still won nine games this year, albeit in a less uh, in an inferior conference that, that we're going to next year. And it's going to be, it might be tough. Like if we don't get the right, right guy in, it could be a, a bad year. But I think, you know, now when you look at it, like there, there's an opportunity to grow from where we were and nobody was ever going to fire what he was doing. But I think it was something that, you know, Bearcat fans have dealt with before with Mick Cronin, where, you know, obviously, like, the success was there, and people really enjoyed the success, but there was also just, like, that thought of, well, is there another level we can be getting to? And you can't really say the same thing with Fickle, because we reached the playoff last year, but it felt like this year, there was just a little bit of underachievement, and, like, call me out if I'm wrong, uh, anybody else, but, like, I, I feel like there was just a level there that we didn't reach, uh, which we reached last year, albeit with like that talent we had and better players, but uh, I think, I, I mean, yeah, I think you make a really good point. And, and the unfortunate part of fickle leaving when he's leaving is that nobody really got to do the season review of how this whole thing turned out um, after losing to, to Tulane to not get into the American athletic championship game. But I think the way I've kind of looked at everything is that over the last few years, because of all the success we had, we continuously continuously had coaches plucked from our team. We saw uh, this most recent year was Denbrock. We saw the year before it was Freeman. Freeman took Mason, the special teams coordinator. We saw Mike Mickens leave at one point. I mean, we have had a drastic amount of coaching turnover the past few seasons. And in my the the answer to it in the past was always in Fick we trust. And Fick was going to be able to figure it out. As long as we keep the head of the snake, everything else will fall in, into line. And I do think that was pushed up against this year. 
and we saw it falter a bit just because of reaching that tipping point of lack of stability, lack of continuity, and every coaching change you have to make, you're not, you like to think you're going to find someone of equal ability and equal talent, but that's not always the case. And you have some guys who are in new positions taking on new responsibility. And I think we saw that play out this season where on the field, the on-field results for the Bearcats, even in wins at times, just weren't what you would have expected given the level of competition. One thing I want to jump in here real quick while you're kind of talking on the idea of, you know, equal value and um, equal talent when it comes to coaching. I'm wondering what everyone's opinion is on sort of timeline. You're going into the big 12. You're going to have, you know, you're going to expect some, you're going to expect some issues off the gate and you're going to expect to probably lose some games. Hopefully you're not talking to 500 uh, dialogue, but I'm wondering what your guys's leeway is on how much time you would give a new head coach. And I mean, Sure, that probably depends on who that new head coach is, but how much time do you think a new head coach has to reach, you know, certain milestones or goals? Like if you're talking bowl games, like New Year's Six, if you're talking, I mean, which I feel like a lot of the New Year's Six is going to be swallowed into the CFP, but I'm wondering what that milestone is and who's, how much time are you going to give somebody going forward um, before you, you know, maybe even think about maybe moving on from them? I think the I think the baseline is like four years, and it might be maybe it's five. I think you're giving guys four years at least to to implement their style of play, to take the resources given to them, and turn that into a really good on field product. I think it's also a hard question to answer just based on based on the fact that a lot of a lot of my opinion on how long you give a coach is based on what you're seeing on the field or what you're seeing on the court. And are you seeing? Are you seeing? It's kind of process based. It's do you, not do you guys hear the head? That's the head. That's the West Miller hedge coming in right now. <laughs> I was going to say, based <laughs> off of West Miller's, the court first year. This is, I, can, I can hear it. I've talked to Chris no. too much about this. I know he's hedging. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into the basketball world. I'm just saying that if the process looks right, if you see the recruiting uh, playing out in a favorable way, if you see us winning in the portal the way that you think we can in the Big 12, that's what you sort of base the decision on. But I think easily you're looking at like a four-year period. Um, uh, of evaluating a new coach. And I think recruiting is important in that too. Like if the recruiting returns aren't there or if we're near the bottom of the new big 12, like I think there's something there to that as well. I think, you know, realistically Cincinnati could be like one of those top 25 recruiting schools every year, especially in the big 12. And if you get the right guy, I mean, Fickle was trending that way until he left. Um, But I, I think it's, it's possible and, you know, we'll see if it's, pickle or the program but like i think that's the thing we've talked about for years even with like the past times that fickle was mentioned is that the program has been pretty rock steady over the past few years um and you know like past 15 years it's mostly been upward trajectory and with all these different coaches so you know it'll change going into a different league and different footprint but um I, I still feel confident that john cunningham will be able to find that guy who's the next steward and if the next guy leaves then to me, it's fine. Like uh, you just got to keep moving on. So um, I want to hand it off to Jared here. Uh, he raised hand. Hey guys, um, really excited to talk to you. Uh, when I saw the the news, I I was pretty surprised. But um, as you said, we're talking going forward, and so I, I don't have any skin in the game. But um, a guy, you know, I like you said, I think as a Power Five program, um, 
you have to act as a power five program. And, and while I like um, guys like Gallish from Tennessee, you're still, no matter what, you're looking at unknowns. And I think Cincinnati has put itself in a position to be able to get a more known. And the guy that I would look at is PJ Fleck from Minnesota. He's a guy that went to uh, Western Michigan, turned it around, went to Minnesota, has uh, turned it around um, and maximized the uh, the resources and the recruiting area that, that he has there in Minnesota. I think he's pretty much taken that program as far as he can. But he is a guy that if you hired, I believe would bring instant energy into a program um, that, you know, is losing a guy that has helped turn it around. He would bring instant stability in recruiting and be able to keep some of those guys, potentially um, get some new guys to commit. And just with that base of Cincinnati talent that is there, I think offensively he has the background and, and their teams have been good enough defensively via the staff that he's put together. I just think he would be um, a great um, a great hire uh, under the radar. Um, Jeff Halfley up in, in Boston College, I really like him. The results weren't there this year, but uh, young, bright, defensive mind as opposed to as opposed to uh, Fleck. I think he would be an option um, coach with the Browns um, and has a lot. Has They've recruited a ton of Ohio kids, so there would be a base of knowledge and relationship between uh, recruiting-wise the Ohio kids and him. So uh, that's all I wanted to add. Just uh, looking forward to listen to uh, what you guys have. I want to while while we're on the topic of uh, Big Ten coaches, I do think that's an interesting one because that is definitely like PJ. Whether you like him or not, he is very much like a culture builder in the similar way that uh, Fick is. You know, results and style is a lot different, but definitely like a culture through and through. That is really what he goes for. Um, I, I while we're on the topic of Big Ten, I I, I want to ask if there's any other names out there. We've kind of floated those around. I mean, do you think there's any legitimate names that we could try to steal that, you know, makes sense? Or do you think that there's real that's really kind of exhausted the list of Big Ten um, that you would look at kind of moving forward? I think that there, uh, me personally, I'm going to start Googling a bunch tonight to see who I'm not thinking of. I think we hit on a, on a lot of the big names. What I'm really hoping we don't see is sort of like a – a retread that didn't have a lot of success at the college level in the past, maybe has that head coaching experience. Now they're sort of rehabilitating themselves at a bigger university like Notre Dame or Alabama. But like, I, I'm trying to think of a good name. Like a, an example might be like Al Golden, right? That's not a name I'd throw out. There is someone I want to see as the next head coach of the, of the Bearcats. But those are the kind of guys that sometimes weasel their way into these types of, of coaching searches I'm not looking for someone like that. Like if we're going to go with a, with a head coach, let's do it. Someone who's proving themselves right now at a high level at a different power five university or, or take the bet on a young up and coming talent. Like, um, you know, the OC from Tennessee, I think I saw you mention, um, in a chat in our discord server, I saw you mention Garrett. Uh, just a name from the big 10 that I saw that, you know, you, you guys were talking about, Maybe we go back up 71 and try to get Jim Knowles from Ohio State. 
that could also be an interesting one. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm curious. One thing. One thing that's always interesting with these, you know, coaching changes is you never know who's really like lock steady, and then some of those guys that are like, you know, just keen on playing sort of, uh, you know, into the defensive or offensive coordinator situation don't really want to take that head coach position. I mean, there's a lot of guys too that turn down jobs for that specific reason. It's because they're just kind of content being where they're at. Um, you never really know who's going to get that. I'm, I'm, I mean, just, is anybody really opposed to uh, Brian Ferentz? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right end the i space had to throw right that one now. in there i just wanted to see I, end, I to end the see space this. right now uh, <laughs> uh, big ed uh i want to hear from you hey sorry I'm, I'm late guys i was over in the corner crying for the last couple hours um <laughs> i just want to make sure that we're not and we don't have anybody in on this whole uh let's have Kerry combs be the head coach sort of thing right like none of us are in that train right nah nah we're, no, we're we, we, no. we don't 100 percent. we have disconnected that car from the rest of this train Good. And we, we've 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 called up the signal operator to switch the tracks. Good, good. I also I also have a source that says uh, that after Zach Taylor loses this game here in the next thirteen minutes, he might be the new head coach. So um, I'll just listen in. You guys are doing great. <laughs> um, I would uh, uh, turn that down. I got a chance to work with Zach. Uh, he's the completely nice guy, but um, he we'll we'll see what he does with the Bengals this year. Um, I, I did. Uh, you, you did. You said earlier Garrett Riley. Um, I'm kind of bringing that up just because I do think he's an interesting name. Um, just because he's the TCU guy, and uh, uh, it's you know it could be a pivot to more of like the Big Twelve recruiting footprint, more of like a Texas focus. Um, I don't think we should lose our Ohio focus because obviously it's been really successful for us over the past 20 years. But it's it's a it's a possibility, and you know I, I think the other thing too is we got to think about like you know these these connections, like, you know, people have been mentioning uh, Jesse Minter a lot uh, as, you know, a, a possible guy. And he went to Mount St. Joe. His, his dad is obviously Rick Minter. And like, the, there's a lot of history there. And uh, I, I think it's possible, but I think the, the thing we got to remember too, is that whoever is the head coach, they can bring in like, like some of these ACE recruiter guys or guys that are the, the local talent. Like, I, I don't think anybody's, leaning towards someone who has to be local because obviously Wes Miller is not a local guy. He brought in a couple of local guys to help out. And, but, you know, we're, we're recruiting in Georgia a lot for like for basketball. And I, I, I think if, if any fans at least are pigeonholing themselves in, Oh, it has to be a Cincinnati guy. It has to be an Ohio guy. I mean, you know, just, just think creatively and like, don't turn anything down at first sight. Like, cause I, <laughs> I just remember this tweet from Mo Egger and I love Mo. Like I, he's great, but, I just remember his uh, first tweet after the hiring of Luke Fickle was like a, a very math face. So he called it his fickle face. And obviously um, I don't, I don't know if anybody was crazy excited about Luke Fickle at the time. I think it was a good, obviously he was a great hire. And, um, but at the time, I don't think it was a knocked it out of the park home run. I think it was like, yeah, we'll wait and see. We'll see how he is. And obviously it worked. So um, I, I, I think we, we can't really turn any ideas down. Can't really turn any thoughts down. And, um, I have trust in uh, Cunningham to be able to, to deliver something uh, that can really provide instant results for us. But um, I would just mention that just to the fan base is like, you know, don't initially turn anything down, any ideas down, because that's kind of how we got fickle in the first place. I think I'll be open-minded just about anybody and I'm going to be signing off here in a minute, but I just wanted to make the final point. Ed, Ed put the tweet in here about JQ Hardaway entering the transfer portal. There's several other players that have already done so. 
And I think in the coming days, we're going to see a lot of news that's going to, you know, on its face, be very concerning in terms of portal entries or recruits backing out of their commitments. And all of that is to be expected to a certain level when you lose a coach like Luke Fickle. But I want to leave on an optimistic note, which is that whoever this next next head coach is that we hire, we are hiring someone and bringing them into a program that is more capitalized and more well-funded and in a more competitive conference than it's ever been in the history of the football program. They're coming in at a, at a watermark that's at the highest it's ever been. And so I do think that we can be, you know, we can, we can certainly be upset about this. We can be concerned about what's going to happen to the roster and the turnover we're going to experience. But I think that we're not going to be the only new university losing players to the portal. There's going to be a lot of talent out there to poach and that whoever's coming in as the next head coach of the, of the University of Cincinnati is going to have an amazing opportunity to take this even higher heights. Every single time we've replaced a coach, over time, this program keeps going higher and higher and higher. And it's crazy to think that it could actually get higher than Luke Fickle, but it absolutely can. It really can. So that's my final thought. I appreciate you hosting this, Viva La Cats. Check out the Cincy Slang and Discord server and give us a follow on Twitter. Appreciate it, y'all. Yeah, yeah for check sure. Out, check out yeah, Cincy Slang as well, too. Just 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 to piggyback off him real quick, keep in mind we've had two coaches that, that have come in here over the over the last four hires that have shown that Cincinnati is a place that you can achieve at the highest level in the sport. Right? Brian Kelly taking us to, you know, at the time what would have been a, a P five slash P six program in the Big East to the Big East Championship taking us and ultimately getting us to, you know, back-to-back BCS bowls in that era. Luke Fickle, you know, taking us from, you know, two back-to-back undefeated regular seasons to the playoffs. So that's something that's going to, that's going to be a part of that sales pitch to any incoming coaches. Look what's possible here. And like Coomer mentioned with the capitalization that we now have in terms of, of P5 money. So I think there's nothing but optimism to look forward to still with the, with the future of what, what this program has in front of it. Well said, Hummer. I think that, you know, is a good spot to kind of leave it off on. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy for sure over the next few weeks, um, probably even months when moving forward. Um, hopefully we'll have some good news sometime soon. It's going to be met with a little bit of negativity probably for the next few days, but try to keep your chins up, keep your heads on your shoulders, Bearcats fans. Um, there's good coming around. It's might be a minute, but it's coming. You know how it is around Cincinnati. It, it might take a while, but it'll come around, so. Yeah. Again, thank you. Wanna, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. I was just gonna say thank you as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just wanted to cap this one off. Thank you for literally everyone who came in here. We had well over a hundred, probably over two hundred people in here at some point. So um, it was nice just to get takes from everyone and see kind of what we've got moving forward. But again, you know, like I said, keep your chins up. Um, you know, program program over coach program over anybody. This is uh, this is Cincinnati. This is us, and this is. This is the program that we love and we take care of. So only good things moving forward here, folks. Like I said, everybody take care. If you're not already listening, um, try to check us out on our weekly podcast at Viva La Cats Pod here on uh, Twitter. And also check us out on Spotify, Apple Pods, as well as check out Cincy Slangin'. Um, those guys do some great things over there, too. So thank you all for tuning in. And um, hopefully we'll see you with some good news soon. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats. Sports Social Podcast Network.